Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll them. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, the Looney Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Halo, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and who's hungry for more music shorts? <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> yeah! 2023, that's the first joke we're starting this year with. It's gonna be a great oh, year. Man. Oh, oh, boy. Um, it has been far too long since we have done shorts, but it has also been far too long since we've looked at some truly excellent music-based Looney Tunes shorts. And we did three of the big ones back in our early days. Um, you, you may remember that one. It's the one where Mark gave One Froggy Evening a four out of 4.5 out of 5. And boy, <laughs> do I never forget it. I mean, look, occasionally either of us get chances to be nitpicky and, and be like like more serious or more like rash on a short. But that's the one that I'm like, really? <laughs> one froggy evening, really? <laughs> but yeah, um, we're, we're, we, we figured since it's been a while since we did musical shorts and since... Uh, around this time last year, uh, we went and saw a really cool um, Philadelphia Orchestra uh, rendition of a lot of different musical Looney Tune shorts. We figured, why not do three more? I mean, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, you know, just... It, it was the closest thing to watching Looney Tunes cartoons in the theaters. Because it was stretched on this big screen, and a live orchestra playing, and just hearing a... It was packed. It was like a full attendance event. And just having a bunch, a group of people laughing at, at, at Looney Tunes cartoons. I'm like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, yeah. It, it, it's nice to watch Looney Tunes cartoons and laugh and also enjoy some fantastic orchestral pieces. Um, which all three of these were in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then, and the thing is, is that when I when I drafted a um, another musical episode, there were that's the thing. There were ones that I drafted for this one where I'm where we didn't actually because there were one or two where I put into the into the doc for this one that aren't in this that I think we're going to have enough for a future uh, another musical episode, which is pretty cool. So yeah, you know, apologies to Baton Bunny, we ran out of time. So the shorts we're covering today. Are a corny concerto, mm-hmm. high notes, and Rhapsody Rabbit. Right. And for those of you wondering which one was in the doc, uh, when I pitched it, Rhapsody Rabbit. I think the other two were um, added over time. Maybe Cordy Concerto was in there. I, I feel like it might have been. But um, because I think all three of these we kind of have to talk about for different reasons. Like the first three, we did like the. Um, uh, What's Opera Doc, One Froggy Evening, um, Rob DeSaville episode. All three of these are beloved. Maybe not quite as well known as the other three, but like people really love this one, especially the one we're ending with. So we're going to be analytical. We're going to be fair. We're going to hopefully examine why these are as well liked or in some cases a bit more underrated. Um, but yeah. Um, you got the first one, right? Yes, I do. So... First one here is a corny concerto. Came out on September 25th, 1943. This short was directed by Bob Clampett, written by Frank Tashlin. Yeah, nice little uh, duo there. You know, you don't see him writing very often. Or at least in this era. (laughs) No, especially not in this era. No. So, this short is... A parody of the Disney film Fantasia. Damn right. Which only came out about two years and six days earlier when yeah. this short came out. That means that people at Warner Brothers saw Fantasia, went, 
oh, we can totally make fun of this. And then about two years later, they were like, here. Well, you know, animation production schedules take time. So they probably went into work on this right as as many of them saw it as they could. All of 1942 and 1943 were spent making this because there's a lot of effort that went into it. And it went out in 43. So, yeah. Yes, and, and yeah, about so many, because literally last week, we're talking about, oh, isn't it great when, like, Disney and Warner Brothers works together to accomplish a great goal out of the kindness of their hearts? This short is a demonstration of what things really were like when they were both at the top of their game. Well, I mean, later <laughs> on, I'll talk about two different animation studios working together without even meaning to, but, um... <laughs> But yeah, this is very much like, no, we want to make fun. This is basically like, remember when we talked about uh, Pigs in a Polka being um, another Fantasia kind of thing? Not Fantasia. They were, they were making fun of both Fantasia and um, the Three Little Pigs cartoon. And so yeah. swipes at Disney were par for the course in this era of Warner Brothers. And this yeah. was probably their greatest swipe at Disney. Because, hey, they did this big classical music review with their characters. Let's fuck with it. Yeah, let's do that, too. This cartoon was a milestone, as it was the first Warner Bros. cartoon to have more than two of their major characters in starring roles. Yeah, like, there's, like, three or four in big roles in this one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig have have co-starring leads in yeah. the first segment, you know, which is you, great. You really have all four of the flagship characters in this. You have, you know, Bugs... Porky, Elmer, and Daffy. And yeah. it's cool that all of them, I mean, granted, not like all together at once. I mean, Porky and Daffy don't share scenes. Bugs and Daffy don't share scenes. But this is basically them doing a review of their own big guns because, you know, Mickey was in Fantasia. So. Yes. And fun fact, this cartoon entered the public domain in 1971. Good. So you can you can watch this whenever you want. And no yeah. one has to pay any royalties. Good, because I don't think anybody should have to pay any royalties to have this one, because this one's, I mean, not to foreshadow my opinion on it, but this one's really special. <laughs> yes. So, the cartoon begins with this, it takes place at the... What, 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 Carnegie what, the, the, the Hall. Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Of, of Carnegie Hall. It's this very nice presentation. We get the shot from Fantasia of the conductor rising up out of his silhouette to talk to the audience. Except, I love the little detail that the silhouette goes down and resembles the shape of Elmer Fudd. Yes, I love that. <laughs> it's like, well, this is all we got, folks. <laughs> yeah, we, we got Elmer. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Also, I love, like, I love that Elmer has like a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. We have to shave. <laughs> I think maybe it's, I don't know if, I haven't seen Fantasia in a while, I don't know if the, the, the guy in Fantasia had a five o'clock shadow, but um, maybe it's because, maybe it's because the guy in Fantasia was basically covered by silhouette the entire time, so it's like, well, maybe if I'm covered in darkness the whole time, they won't see I haven't shaved. Uh. And, you know, Elmer's just presenting the, the short, so the first segment we have here is um, Tales from the Vienna Woods. And we get some nice Elmer play as he has to say a bunch of W words at the same time. I love that. And as we hear the rhythmic strains of the haunting we flain, listen to the whip-wing wivum of the woodwinds as it rolls a wound and a wound, and it comes out here. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a hot take, Mark. I think that this cartoon is one of Elmer's greatest performances because the idea, first of all, the idea of Elmer being the conductor of a Fantasia-type thing is funny enough, but, like, he gets to be essentially the lead in this cartoon and gets to be, like, gets to get all this dialogue and, and be the sort of straight man for this and be the the grand presenter of of this Looney Tunes review here. And I think he just owns every moment he's on stage and, and in a way that he hadn't in a lot of other capacities and other cartoons. I mean... Arthur Q. Ryan has more lines in this than Mel Blank. Uh-huh. Should have given him the vocal credit. Yeah, like Mel just does, like, sound effects, essentially. Uh -huh. which, even then, that could be Trey Brown. Um, so we get this this first segment here, this um, Tales from the Vienna Woods. And what I love, and this is throughout, throughout the, the short, but what I love is Warner Brothers demonstrating 
oh, like if we wanted to, we could look like Disney. Because yes. the backgrounds and the fluidity of the character animation, and that's a very, that's a very, this would be a very current thing I say, is that the character animation is fantastic in all three of these shorts. Because you have to, there's no dialogue, it's all music focused, so the, the body movement and the character animation has to kind of sell the comedy in a way. And it works especially well here, where it's, it's Porky Pig and a Hunter Dog, who I'm calling Ditto, because I That's love actually the pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Where uh, you know Porky, you know, he's hunting, and he has a sign saying, "I'm hunting that <laughs> rabbit." Censored, yeah. censored, and the rabbit. dog goes up. Then just got to the dog. Ditto. That's I fantastic. That. I. I that. It's funny because I, I first became aware of this shot because I, I have a um, somewhere around here. I have a an old uh, the Art of Warner Brothers Animation coffee table book that was made in the '90s during the peak um, Amblin and WB Animation era. Because it covered not only Looney Tunes stuff, but also uh, 90s Batman the Animated Series, Animaniacs, Tiny mm. Toons, um, stuff like that. And the, the whole back was just like a bunch of cells that were like able to be ordered at that time. And just like different eras of like, you know, stuff you could order from different eras of like the Warner Brothers um, stuff. So, and I remember like there being a full two-page spread, like with a complete lift-out page of just... The cell of you know I'm hunting that bleeping rabbit ditto and and bugs looking over um, with the little rabbit rubbish tin uh, and before before I even knew much about Corny and Sherrod I was like oh that, that's a really fun shot that's cool <laughs> <laughs> so we were real bugs and he's just throwing rab the end of his carrot into the trash bin as the dog sends the to the rabbit hole leading bugs to take out a a book of etiquette opens it says it ain't polite to point as just slams the book onto the dog yeah um it's astonishing how many gags could be fit into a 10 second bit of that like and it moves so quickly and to the music as well the whole thing moves to the music oh That's my god the, the energy Bugs' energy in this is, is oh insane because it has, has to fit the music and the music's going at a pretty fast pace yeah. so bugs has to operate at a relatively fast pace and there's just i think there's like five gags that happen in the span of a minute or something mm-hmm. where the the dog gets hit by the book he's about to shoot um he's about to shoot bugs bugs jumps mm-hmm. behind a tree pulls on the end of the gun or t- ties it ties it around a tree porky goes flying and <laughs> yeah it's a lot it's just so quick so amazing. Uh, so much is fit into this. And again, this is only half the cartoon. This is only just like a segment in this. So, and it doesn't feel like it's truncated or like it's crushed into a small space. It's, it all flows wonderfully. We then get this bush segment where they all wind up in this bush as they're trying to get the rabbit. And we get this fantastic shot of... You know, the music hits a point where Bug stands up as both Porky and the dog are looking in opposite directions. It's a great frame. It really is. As um, they realize Bug's in the bush with them. Bug's is... Hold on, can I read that one more time? One second. Oh, yeah. So then they realize that Bug's is in the bush. <laughs> so... Now I want you to... <laughs> it's just singing in the rain. Hold it a second. Now, Lena, look. Here's the mic. Right here in the bush. Yeah. Now you talk towards it. The sound goes through the cable to the box. A man records it on a big record in wax. But you have to talk into the mic first. In the bush. If you haven't, look up SpongeBob cast. Oh my I mean, god! I they did that for the word. Annie's one year, where they did for a the bunch Annie's. of old movies. Yeah, Roger Bumpus does all the best ones. Yeah, you shouldn't have killed. Yes, yes, my dear, that's much better. Hold now. it a second. Now, Lena, look. Here's the mic, right here in the bush. Yeah. Now you talk towards it. The sound goes through the cable to the box. A man records it on a big record in wax. But you have to talk into the mic first. In the bush! Anyways, so they, they jump into the bush. 
Um, they they have, uh, eventually Porky's gun goes flying into a tree. It hits a squirrel. The squirrel gets pissed off, so the squirrel just shoots them. <laughs> I love the squirrel there. I I, I love that. The, the 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 squirrel curses them out and fires a gun at them. Only Bob Clampett. Um, <laughs> they all land in the bush at this. We have this sequence of all three of them thinking they got shot and are gonna die. And again, it's all tied perfectly to the music. Just the realization that they're fine, except for Bugs, apparently, as he lands on the ground in a beautiful, like, two seconds of animation, he deflates. <laughs> I, I, I just love the whole bit with all three of them thinking they've been shot and just, like, what they do. With, again, again, a lot of this next bit is both dramatic and funny at the same time, and it's just, like... Mixing both and not losing either of them. <laughs> just, just Bugs is dead on the ground, and the dog takes out a first aid kit. And just that idea is funny. <laughs> it's like, why is there a first aid kit? And the dog is crying along to the beats of the music. <laughs> They went the extra mile as as we get this reveal that Bugs isn't dead. He's just wearing a dress. I love that. It's just it's just a re- <laughs> it's like you know okay you think he's dead? No, he's got a bra on. Now he's in full ballerina regalia. It's just it's oh what a great reveal. It's fantastic. They just slap the bra on the both of them. Bugs dances off to the distance, and I just love Bugs falls down. <laughs> Like yes. da da da, bugs falls down. <laughs> it's great, but it's like he's literally doing like showgirl poses against the tree. It's all dramatic, and I love the fact that we 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 fade out of that and we go back into Elmer. Wasn't that lovely? <laughs> Again, I think Elmer is amazing in this. Oh my gosh, so good. So we then get the second segment called the uh, the blue. Danube. The Danube. Not the only time we'll be hearing that today. No. It's essentially kind of this ugly swan story, the ugly duckling story, where, you know, there's these white, beautiful ducks <clears throat> just quacking along to the blue Danube as we reveal Daffy as a small duckling. And it's cute. It mm. is. It just... Yes. Whites not including blacks. Oh, but this is in the Sensor 11. Okay, I see how it is. Um, <laughs> no, no, actually, no. This is a lot more constructive no. than most Sensor 11 ones, to be honest. Yeah. Because <laughs> this actually has a message behind it. You know, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Um, which is progressive. Maybe they just did it by accident. Um, it actually, um, it, it, it kind of was. It, it, it was a simple case of like... It was when you know Looney Tunes television rights, and then one of the, one of the companies that owned the TV rights were like you know like the like like the late seventies was like, hey these uh these eleven shorts here we probably shouldn't be airing them anymore, <laughs> and everyone agreed. <laughs> I mean I I remember seeing Hiawatha's Rabbit Hunt on television as late as two thousand and two. So, that's the one that was in what's cooking doc, right? Yeah, that one's not the, the, that cartoon is in the Century Eleven. Oh, right, it's not. Okay, well, yeah. it's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of the Century Eleven ever aired in June Bugs or any of that. No, can you imagine or, or tune? No, or no, tune no. heads. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no, no. We're never doing a Century Eleven episode. Ah, well, no, we're never doing it. No, no, no. no. no let's. Uh, <laughs> could we? If you want it, let us know. Uh, we'll be subjective. <laughs> Where was I? All right. Australia. Uh, yes. So, what I like about about this animation here is that it's um, it's a very good expression work in this, especially on uh, Duckling Dappy. The whole thing is Dappy can't sing. So, 
When Daphne sings along with her ducklings, he's out of tune. There's a great shot of the mother duck finding Daffy, and then just Daffy just smiling as he slightly swims away, leading leading Daffy to get spanked out of the uh, river. Ah, when you put it like that. Yeah, we put it like that. It's forties. Uh, yeah, 40s. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, no. A lot of the first part of this cartoon is, or for a lot of part, first part of this segment that is, is just you know Daffy wanting to belong, wanting. A familial sort of construct, and you know, oh well, you know, you're you're not one of us, so you know, so maybe you shouldn't, and so, and it's it's funny, but it's not the full meat of this. No, so what the real the real beat that gets us to the comedy is the vulture. Yeah, you get a reveal of this dumb vulture who doesn't have a voice because he looks like a a yuppie up character. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he resembles Beaky Buzzard, and you think that if he did have a voice, it'd be oh, uh, yup, I'm, I'm gonna get the so one. Uh, yup, you know, and you've seen them a million fucking those before. So, yeah. You know. I will say, I, I do like the eye shot with the vulture. I like, love that. Like, yeah, like the binoculars. You see the reflection of them. It's like, yeah. oh, it, yeah, it didn't need to be there. But it gives that extra oomph to make you look nice. That that, yeah, that honestly right. feels that honestly feels like something Tashin wrote in there. Like, and then he looks in like binoculars and yeah. it looks really cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. So you know, as as the short progresses, we get the vulture salt and peppering one of the ducklings to I love eat them that. later. I love that. Anytime somebody does the over the top salt and peppering someone, it's always a gag that that kills me because it's just it's it's the most broad kind of. Like there's an old Who's line where um, where it's a party quirks and Mike McShane plays a cannibal, and there's a moment where it, like he's 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 try- I think it's like Paul Merton or somebody's the host, and he's literally salting and peppering their hands as as he's like not looking. It's so ridiculous and cartoonish, and he knows it. Um. So the so the, so the vulture. Um, Get picks up each of the ducklings one by one, including one of them that has a motor. <laughs> I love that one of them just has an outboard motor. <laughs> just one that has a motor. Yeah. Cause, and um, no, of course, you know, the mother eventually finds out that the ducks aren't there anymore because she lifts up the the branch on the swim, and she just sees the silhouettes of where they're supposed to be. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> little shadows on the water. Yeah. Yeah. Um. My favorite gag in this entire cartoon is this is the the mom like literally being distraught looking for his kids looking for everything lifting up a rock seeing only the smiling Daffy and slamming it back down on him. <laughs> I loved that. That's a shot. I was watching this going, oh man, we would edit for like a blood splatter happen. Oh, don't kill Daffy. <laughs> he can't sing. <laughs> Enough is too much. He has to die. I saw it in Happy Feet. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I referenced what probably uh, was the inspiration for Happy Feet, so it was all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Enough anyways. is too much. Um. And for those coming at home, that's two jazz swing references in two consecutive episodes. I didn't do a Neil Diamond voice, because I thought it'd be overdone. But yes. tonight... Anyways. Uh, oh, God damn it. Okay, so... <laughs> Alright, so... The, Daffy finds the vulture, and he goes warplane on his ass, because it's War Two. Yeah, I, I wonder if this was made during wartime, yeah. No matter... What I liked is Daffy speeds by these two trees who I then come that. alive and hug each other. I like, love that. Such a good classic now, animation gag. Classic animation? I consider that like a Flowers and Trees reference. A little bit, yeah. So they're taking down multiple Disney things. Yeah, which like, like I, I, I really like that. It's like, oh, hey, that's actually a Disney reference. That, that yeah, I, that's I know. That's um, great. So... Daffy flies towards the vulture. The vulture cowers out. Uh, Daffy just has TNT, throws it to the vulture. A vulture lands on the ground, dies. But he dies in that cartoon. First of all, he goes to heaven. Aww. <laughs> Maybe he was just a nice vulture, you know? He didn't mean to kill all those people. <laughs> I'm just imagining that, that excuse for, like, serial killers. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer only went to eat those. He didn't mean to eat all those people. Well, there's a difference between a serial killer and an animal, you know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the ducks accept Daffy into their group. And then we end with this, which I, which I can only assume is just an animation flex of a reflection joke. I love where that. Where Daffy's reflection flies off. Yeah. Lands into a tree and then swims back just in time for the finale. And they wave at the end. They Aww. wave goodbye. It's such it's a cute sweet. ending. Because obviously, so it's all right, we're going to adopt this. This, this dog is going to be like one of us. It's going to be a really cute family moment. And, they're, and we're going to stick up for each other. And then they, they literally wave goodbye. And, ah. Uh, mm. Oh, man. So this short is really <laughs> Oh, you yeah. know this shirt has a lot of heart. Has a lot mm-hmm. of heart into it. Has a lot of effort. Again, I always love it. And this got the same thing with with other musical shorts we looked at. You can tell when they when they decide to like, hey, we're just gonna put a lot of effort into this. Like they always put effort into their work, but there's just ones where you can be like, oh, they put in like all the effort for this, and especially for something like this where it was kind of built out of pettiness. I'm like, yeah, fuck you, Disney. Okay, let's show you something, you stupid, stupid <laughs> mouse. And then, it, and then it's, you know, the, the, like, did you see the screening go, oh, shit, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Damn. Why didn't we do Fantasia? <laughs> Leon going, no! No! Why would I give you the money for that? Nobody would want to see a Looney Tunes movie with your talents. Michael, Chuck, Frizz, Bob, and... <laughs> no, absolutely uh, no one would want to see that. Why am I now Frizz for some reason? <laughs> I'm Leon. It's like the old joke we used to have that all the people at Warner Brothers just sound like Frizz. <laughs> I'm Leon oh Slender. And I'm also uh, Michael Maldini. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So... Um, you know, lot, lots of great character animation, lots of fluidity. Um, my, my I guess my only complaint would be like, oh. eh, no, I don't make complaints here because, like, it's well animated, <laughs> segments are well done. Did you have a little Jay Leno uh, thing? Like, He has no sympathy from either of us. He's um, fine now, but still fuck him. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's one of the only people in the world who you can try and beat his face out and miss. Anyway. If you don't think there's anything wrong with it. I love this one. Um, This is a great rebuttal to Fantasia. Not only is it really critical of, and being like, ah, look what they're doing. But, like, they actually, again, as you said, there's a lot of heart in this. They make sure that it's a competent and meaningful cartoon in addition to being a send-up of Fantasia. It's a great comedic way of looking at some of these classical standards while also providing roles for their flagship characters. Incredible animation, incredible timing. Both of these segments are really damn good. I'm satisfied with this all the way through. There's a lot of really funny stuff all around, and it's really aided by Bob Clampett's amazing timing in this era. So I have little to no complaints. All right, so I'm giving this a 4.5 out of 5 Andals. I am giving it a 5 out of 5 Andals because yeah. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. There's always going to be one of these. <laughs> it's fine. Listen, Jordan, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you want to get high? <laughs> I want to get drunk, and that's what like a lot of the characters in this next one do. Uh, <laughs> high Notes is the next one that I am covering. Uh, this one was released on December 3rd, 1960. Two very famous actresses were born on this day. One of them has an Oscar. The other one was in My Favorite Martian. <laughs> Julianne Moore and Daryl Hannah were both born on December 3rd, 1960. Genuinely. A- another connection. She was also in Splash. She was also in Splash, yes. Uh, Splash, excellent movie. Um, I, I obviously grew up with her being the, um, you, you know. yes. You can see her ass in the movie. 
Yeah, sometimes. well, not on Disney Plus. Not Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, no, I I grew up with her being the more likable um, romantic foil in uh, My Favorite Martian. Uh, Daryl Hannah is also um, openly autistic, which you know, fucking hooray. Then there's also Julianne Moore. I'm, I assume she was good in things as <laughs> well. Nah, I'm not kidding. Yeah. She's great. Uh, <laughs> she's great. She was in Big Lebowski and and Children of Men and yada yada. She's great. Um, Elvis had number ones on both the U.S. and the U.K. music charts. Uh, it's now or never topped in the U.K. And Are You Loathsome Tonight uh, was first in the U.S. So good, uh, good week for Elvis. Uh, of course, this was uh, the early '60s, so he was doing pretty well. This is a Chuck Jones cartoon, uh, written by Michael Maltese, as, as a lot of their stuff tended to be in there this time. Uh, yeah, I know, this is, yeah. this is the most obvious Chuck Jones, Michael Maltese shorts ever. Yeah. And it's obvious without including any of their flagship characters or tropes, or one or two tropes, but it's, because this is, again, this is a car- this is a cartoon with no dialogue, with no facial expressions, just a bunch of notes anthropomorphized, and that's really all it took. Um, High Note was nominated for Best Animated Short at the 1960 Academy Awards. Uh, it was not the only uh, Warner Brothers nominee. Uh, Mouse and Garden was also nominated, but both lost to a, uh, a Shek- uh, Czechoslovakian film named Monroe. <clears throat> okay. Okay, yeah. Was it about Marilyn Monroe? No, it's actually spelled M-U-N-R-O. Oh. That's not nearly as fun. Yeah, no, it's not really. No. Um, Okay, so getting into it. Uh, I don't usually comment on opening sequences and opening titles, but the opening credits music track, which is a very drunken-sounding How Dry I Am rendition, is great. It even sounds like the muted brass section is mocking our lead, and the cartoon hasn't even started yet. So, already that puts us in a pretty nice mood. This is just a a very fun opening theme. So, what I love about this cartoon is, well, the concept, which is, this cartoon has to do with the notes making up the Blue Danube and things going wrong. Uh, like, like the very beginning of this is literally, it's, it's, it's the formation of the music, the sheet music for, for the Blue Danube. And I love the beginning of this, the title being misspelled as um, the Blue Adnube, I believe. And the piano, like, literally conveys dissatisfaction without any, like, people being on stage. Literally, you just hear the music being dissatisfied. It's, it's sound to the point of, like, literally saying, hey, go, no, go back there. And, um, and so the guy literally has to, the note guy has to go back and fix the title. Um, and so this cartoon is just an abstract number about the foundations of music. Sheet music being constructed like a work zone. And I get a slight Pixar feel to a lot of this, like workers sliding the scales onto the sheet mm-hmm. music and building it like that. It's very Pixar-y. Again, like, it's animation. It, it, you can do anything, so why not animate music notes putting a note sheet together? Yeah. This is great uh, stuff. Like, I like how... Uh, they all have, you know, they have top hats on because they're a construction crew. And one of them just throws out the rests and breaks and what have you. And they'll just land yeah. perfectly on the line. It's great. It's just... um, no, I, there's so many little things in this that I think are just so well... Like little gags, but like they all just build up because it's just building the world of this cartoon. It's it's constructing sheet music. In the very beginning of it, uh, there's a nice little thing where... Because it's... Um, okay. I should probably mention this, uh, because of my um, musical concert band uh, background, because I was in mm-hmm. my high school's concert band as a percussionist and timpanist mostly. I know how to read music, and I know a lot of, I don't know a ton of music theory stuff, but I know enough to know some of the nitty gritty fun things in this. And like like the very beginning when, um, the, because usually the, 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 the very top of it is like just the like how it's supposed to be played and what method's supposed to be played in Italian, like a cello rondo or um, or something like that. And so it, it, it literally, you have that and you have a, a very helpful note guy just put a sign that says Waltz Tempo, um, which is great. Because like, okay, thank you, us Americans that don't know music or Italian. It's great. Um, 
But yeah, what's great about these construction scenes, it's really just another day at work for these guys. It makes funny things like the music spike when the four and the time signature falls and the guys to pick it back up work so well. It's just like, okay, people make mistakes, but we move it along and we do what we're supposed to. Um, one of the biggest uphill battles that Jones, Maltese, and the animators had in this one is making characters with no faces expressive because it is hard to do. But... So much of it actually works. The bit with the guy accidentally hammering the other guy's hand, and, and <laughs> Jones is able to convey anger and pain without actually having facial expressions. Like, they're, they're mad at each other, and he just chucks the thing back at him anyway. It's great. And the other thing I love about this cartoon is how it portrays, like, the notes getting in order as if they're actors writing for their lines and their cubes or such. They're, okay, they're at the top of the, the, uh, the bar waiting to jump in and be played. And that's cool. That's like, you know, it's, 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 um, it's the, 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 the Pixar joke of what if X could feel things like what if notes, uh, could, uh, be alive. And, although it's much less contrived. Yeah, I, yes. I, I can't wait in 2035 for the film notes. <laughs> Starring Amy Schumer. I mean, so Soul was dangerously close to going there. Yeah. And then they went in a whole different direction. But, uh, you know. Starring a black person that we don't, that we won't have play a black character because foreign Americans won't like that. Whoopsie. Anyway. Whoops. Sorry, Jamie Foxx. We, we gotta make money in China. Uh. China doesn't like black people for some reason. Anyway, they, um, so they they begin the because they beat Yao Ming at basketball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So sorry. they begin the. <laughs> That's awful. I apologize. John Cena, what do you have to say about this? Ooh, the. Hold on, Bing Chiling. Damn it. So, um, but yeah, okay, all right. It makes it funnier once we get the reveal of what the cartoon is, once we actually begin to play the Blue Danube, and when it actually, the song joyously goes on, you know, and it's so happy, and then they stop at the absent note, and the spotlight comes in, and I love how we animate all the little heads turning around and looking at the missing note. Again, expressiveness without faces. This is why I love Chuck Jones cartoons. And... We reveal that the note that was supposed to show up there has been getting drunk in the pages of Little Brown Jug. I love him sort of drunkenly sort of running back and playing tic-tac-toe with the scales in, in, in no hurry to actually be part of the song. It's just... <laughs> Somebody on, online, uh, Animation Historian, I think that Jerry Beck said this, was like, you know, yes, a lot of these were made for kids, but sometimes a good drunk work work a good, a good drunk joke works and this is a very good drunk joke because it's just like okay what what if notes could drink like frizz no get out of here uh i want to know I, I have too many notes about it frizz for the love of god what if peppers could fornicate frizz frizz no what if hard farts could play the cello okay okay what if the acme dynamite had feelings. <laughs> what if pillows saw their therapists? Okay, and anyway. Um Pixar, <laughs> so help us God. If we see any of these ideas turn into movies, you owe us. Pixar, goddammit. <laughs> and uh, what's Sterling K. Brown doing playing a white pillow? You you guys stop that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I love, I love that the, the way to demonstrate how he's drunk is yeah. he he shit faced. They don't say he, shit faced, he but shit-faced. he's literally colored brown. He shit faced. Yeah, I guess it was. And it's just <laughs> he's very. It's very funny. A lot of stuff like this. And he like literally comes back and he sits on a little 
round thing that turned out to be an egg for a bunch of other baby notes coming out. The drunk guy just falls over in response, like, oh shit, not now. I love how the, like he literally gets to the end of the measure and the rest at the end of the measure, the full the full beat rest is his dog. It turns into a dog. It's great. And That's you just great. hear the motif of how much is that doggy in the window. Chucking the conductor with a note that he's having the dog fetch. I love cartoons, man. I love cartoons. And you just have so many frames in this that look so picturesque. The frame of the conductor running towards the drunk, the drunk running the other way. The background is greenish. It's it's oh they're running God, on top the, of the, the measures. Lighting. The lighting for a cartoon that takes place on sheet music, the lighting's amazing. The lighting, the camera perspective. It you turns so into a full chase. You know, the conductor starts writing a a a, a double like a double. Yes. A little uh, a conjoined note with a lasso trying to get the drunk. It's great. I love cartoons. It's so good. The, 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 that was my I love cartoons moment. Cause oh, just, yeah, you sent me that one. It's just fantastic. It's like, okay, so that what happens. The conductor writes notes, and then he takes the signature, unleashes it, and turns into a rope, and he chases it like it's a Western. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, Creativity, God. man. But yeah, and, and, and this comes to its its conclusion. You know, he, he gets the guy, he ties up him and makes sure he's going to uh, do his notes. Uh, uh, on a clothespin. Yeah, he ties him on a clothespin. That's great. On one, no, a clothespin that's actually one of those little um, greater than signs that means either like um, slowly get quiet or quickly get quieter or quickly um, get louder or something. Right. Um, yeah. I, I don't know the official terms. It's been a while since I took a music course. Uh, Same. Literally, like, um, nine, ten years. Um, but, yeah, and so they get everybody in position, and the ending of this is the reveal that even though they've gotten that guy back, the entire rest of the notes in this have gone off to uh, the same uh, brown jug. And we get this great visual of all these music notes <laughs> shit-faced around the brown jug, and it's a great image. Yeah, I love that visual. Amazing. He changes the name of how dry I am to how dry we am. It's it's a very fun. <laughs> it's a great ending of this. Um, so yeah, high note, fantastic abstract animation and concepts, great little gags. The, I have some issues. First of all, it did peter off as it went on a little bit. I didn't like the second half as much as I liked the first half. It was very strong, very fun. And also, just the, I mean, the, the criticism that I don't have a ton to say about it other than just look at all the great abstract animation here, which you can say a lot from a lot of the 60s Chuck Jones stuff. But yeah, so many great shots in here. It looks great. It's a great concept. It It's great. It, it's high note. You know, what else can you say? Yeah, I will say, I do love how, again, like around this time in the 60s, mm. Chuck is aiming for a more minimal approach for making cartoons because of UPA and stuff like that. What I love is that a lot of his abstract work in around this time, I could see throwing off a lot of people, you know, such such as a Now Hear This and stuff like that. Yeah. This short is able to still present the loony sensibilities of, of, of writing, of animation, but also do it in a way where you're not relying on expression work, you're relying completely on on character animation, on on the music. The music is fantastic in this. And, oh and just God. like it's it's <sighs> the lighting is fantastic. Oh, it, it's a fantastic short. I, I incredibly I really, really did enjoy this one. It was just oh fantastic. It's I mean look, it's it's not as good as some of the other ones we've we've covered in this, but I really like this one and i'm saying that because i'm giving it a four out of five and i don't want people to riot <laughs> that's fine i'm giving it a five out of five. Oh, okay well see there we go uh, <laughs> yeah i it's just so much now fun. i have my one of this yeah <laughs> sure so the last short we got here is is a classic it's uh oh you know we, we we can't do one of these without without a classic bugs bunny short and this is no exception oh um, so this is Rhapsody Rabbit came out on November 9th, 1946, 
Guys, what happened on that day? Um, President Truman ended the wage slash price freeze. Okay, you can yeah. you can do that. You can you can freeze prices. Hint, hint, Mr. Biden. <laughs> oh, oh, I think he's already doing that with student loan stuff. Yeah, I... yeah. The price of this is gonna stay at ten bucks. Sorry if you needed toothpaste. So this short was directed by Frizz Freeling, written by Ted Pierce and Michael Maltese. Yeah, it's a dual effort. And there are certain jokes you can really tell. Yeah. In a good way. In a really good way, which we'll get to very shortly. It is the best of both worlds. So, fun fact, this cartoon was the very first thing shown on Cartoon Network on October 1st, 1992. Damn right. And I... I love that because I think we covered the last Looney Tunes thing that showed on Cartoon Network on the show. So that's interesting. Oh, yeah. covered that. The last one, the first one. So here's so. I guess we can go into it. Um, yeah, my. Oh, well, I guess. Well, the other thing is um, this short has quote unquote animation controversy with uh-huh. um, a fellow animation short studio at the time mgm due to um tom and jerry yeah yeah um so basically what happened was that warner brothers puts out this cartoon um in 1946 and it's a cartoon where uh a character plays um the hungarian suite uh while also trying to make sure that a mouse uh doesn't upstage him at the piano and then a year later MGM releases a cartoon called The Cat Concerto, which is a cartoon about a character playing the Hungarian suite by list and making sure a mouse doesn't steal the spotlight from him at the piano. And people probably didn't think of anything of it until the Tom and Jerry short won Best Animated Short at the Oscars the following year, which Rabsy Rabbit didn't even get nominated for. And around then, people were like, especially Warner Brothers people who had done Rhapsody Rabbit. And so to this day, there have been a lot of people saying, <laughs> including people with lawyers, saying maybe MGM might have uh, stuck an eye into what they were doing and thought, well, we can do that better. And I have my own theories as to what they did and whether it's a, a, a good enough um, case. Uh, and I'll get to those once we've covered everything. But conceptually... Um, that's basically the same thing. So, Rhapsody Rabbit begins with a curtain rising and and then Bugs Bunny walking out to loads of applause. Now... Damn right. The Cartoon Network picked this short because of that. It's like, I think what's so. The first, yeah, what's the first image we want to show people who watch Cartoon Network? One, we have Bugs Bunny. Two, we have late, for, we have late 40s color Looney Tunes cartoons in our package. And three, look at this! Look, see? Look at that! Look at that! That's fantastic! (laughs) You can watch this every single day! For the record, folks, look at this! Is from the same people who brought you Come on! Yeah! yeah. (laughs) Uh, So now as a series runner, um, uh, great. All right. So. <laughs> I don't think my voice so. is going to handle it. Fuck. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great, just the simplicity of the opening gag of this, taking off several gloves, cracking his knuckles, just having this stern um, musician face, Bugs with. Yes. Bugs is in, he's, he's ready to go, yeah. and then a guy starts coughing. <laughs> Yep. So this gag <laughs> <laughs> likes to show up online every so often, mostly from from Gen Zers who are like, "Damn, Bugs Bunny got away with shit in the '40s," um, <laughs> or Gen Xers really. But yeah, it, it's it's really just an excuse to for a lot of older people to be like, "They couldn't do this now. 
they couldn't get away with this now. Yeah, because it's already been done. Um, <laughs> they couldn't do Blazing Saddles now. They couldn't do that now. Sir, sir, may I show you this clip of Elmer Fudd getting electrocuted off screen? Oh! Oh, I understand. But you couldn't even show it. Sir, do you want to see our little cartoon character getting electrocuted? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, this so, coughing audience member gag. Oh my god. So this audience member coughs and Bugs is annoyed. So he just stands up, takes out a gun, and shoots him. <laughs> it's like I love it. Sits down and begins playing. <laughs> I love it so much. It's it's great because a Bugs Bunny has canonically killed a man, but <laughs> b it's really the last gasp of a lot of the early '40s more chaotic mentality creeping in. Even as uh, Clampett, Neighbor, and Tashlin were leaving, because those people were leaving, people like Ted Pierce were still sticking around, and this is a gag that Ted Pierce maybe would write for some of those guys. And there is some, I mean, look, there's some late 40s cartoons that still have that mentality as they were trying to evolve. And this is one of them. And it's an incredibly funny joke because you don't expect Bugs Bunny to just reach out and pull out a gun and shoot a guy. And it just works because of the shock value and just because of how funny it is. I mean, sweet Jesus, man, he's got a gun. Yes. Bugs is packing the heat. <laughs> And then he packs some of that heat into his very nicely done piano performance. Oh my god, yeah. I love this. Like, there's something so simple about Bugs. Just He plays the first verse, which is great, and just stops and takes a bite of a carrot. <laughs> and I just love, like, as Bugs is playing, he just turns to the camera as like a, yeah, I got him. I got him. I'm doing great. <laughs> and... Um, and is this where we get the um, the, the phone? Yeah, because right? um, we got some little ones here. We got Bugs' fingers getting tangled in detail, which feels like a clamp and gag. Bugs does the runs of this while dancing back and forth. That's really fun. And then uh, the phone rings and Bugs <laughs> just stops and answers it with a what's up, Doc. Uh, what's up, Doc? Who? France List. Never heard of him. Wrong number. You see, folks, that's the composer. Mm-hmm. I think the composer had his lawyer on the line. The composer who was probably dead by this point, just going, why, why are you playing my song? I didn't approve of this. Hey, you know what? Maybe he got so mad he called MGM. Listen, I need you to, to rip off these bastards. Make the bunny suffer. What's that? It's after the war? Oh, so make him, um, hmm. How do I phrase this so that I won't be uh, seen as a, a, a angry German? Um, make him feel bad about this. Yes, that's what all Germans have done since 1946. Feel bad about things. Um. <laughs> this is going to be our so. worst episode ever. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Great. The mouse gets introduced. It's yes. a mouse. It's not Sniffles. That would no, be it's just though. a mouse. A, a, a mouse. new kind of mouse. And the mouse starts start messing with him. Uh, mm. At first, you know, I think one of them is like Bugs is, is playing is playing, is playing the song. And then I think the mouse comes out and plays the flute. The, the, the yes. end note of what he was going to play as, as Bugs is trying to destroy the mouse. I like, like He's like a mouse trap to throw off the mouse. It doesn't work. I, I like the little bit where... Um, uh, Bugs, once he sees the mouse reappear, just sort of hides the notes he's playing as if the mouse is cheating by looking at him. I like that. What I love is that, because after Bugs does a really nice run and finishes the list song, only then to be interrupted by the mouse happily playing a blues scale, that's hysterical. Because it's literally like, oh, yes, thank oh. you. Oh, about before that, oh, I yeah. like how when like Bugs is flipping through the papers and for a split second there's a there's a a, a, a half naked woman. Yeah, that's a Ted Pierce gag. I mean, that's a little wolf whistle as he flies back. It's like ah, a little bit of fun after the show, I assume. You yeah. know, to get the edge off. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I love Bugs being, being like, he gets into it. It's like it gets really into the, the boogie woogie nature. I of love this that they just do a blue song. Art. Yeah, it's great. From there, um, I love it because you know, just Bugs just sort of like closes the, the the piano lid on him, and the mouse just starts playing chopsticks under the cover. So he throws a stick of dynamite, explosion, and a saddened taps under the piano. <laughs> I love that. He just looks sad when it happens. Like, oh no. <laughs> and then, yeah, then, then you know, the mouse hits him in the mouth or something. Yeah. And then, and then we have Bugs back to play and goes, one hand, no, no hands. hands. Good God, what is he packing? Oh, his feet. Oh no. It's his feet. It's not always the dirty thing. We saw what it looks like in the web who came to supper. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we know he's thing. packing. Yeah, uh, yeah, but so many little gags are here, like um, you know, just just uh, Bugs playing with his feet. I love that gag. The typewriter where he's sort of just like using the play, like a t- just slamming it back. Bugs hopping on the piano back and forth, and again, all the while he's doing great like piano runs and looking amazing. Oh yeah, the animation on Bugs throughout this cartoon is one of the best animated Bugs in my opinion. It's just he he feels. It's animation. He's supposed to feel like this, but he feels more alive in this cartoon than than they to be. Those very energetic, very he's in control of the situation to a point where when he's not in control, he knows exactly what to do. You know. Hmm. But yeah, I, I, it's a great ending because, like, you know, <laughs> bugs. I asked the the notes. He goes to the next page. There's a million notes. He's like, okay. He takes off the jacket. He takes off the cufflinks. He oils his hands. He prays. <laughs> and as he's about to go in, the mouse does it perfectly. <laughs> it steals the steals the spotlight. <laughs> he just gives it to Bugs for the last two notes. And she goes, ding, ding. and then Bugs just knows that it's a great ending because Bugs loses. He knows that the mouse is going to get the glory and the spotlight that he deserves. So he's like, all right, fine, I lost, but it's an earned loss. So, like, you know, yeah. Bugs just, you know, I'm okay with Bugs losing here because at least, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where the bu- the mouse really hasn't done anything wrong. And the mouse, I think, in fact, is really the underdog here. So, Bugs losing is fine. And it's, it, it's a, a fun ending. So, the Cat Concerto came out on... No, 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 So, I wrote down... We each wrote down some observations we had about the cut uh, concerto, just to, uh, you know, compare well, and contrast. You know, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, <laughs> Cat Concerto is one of the best Tom and Jerry cartoons, and you know, I mean, I, the, the thing, the thing about it is that, and really, this is just the basis of my theory on the whole, like, you know, are they the same? Are they ripping each other off? It's like, look, okay, conceptually, these two cartoons are the same. Gag-wise, whole different story. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah. Like, there, there's, I mean, look, the song is the same, the concept is the same. There's maybe one similar gag, whereas when Bugs puts out a mousetrap uh, in um, Rabbit Rhapsody, it doesn't go off and it's gone by the next gag. When Jerry puts out a mousetrap for Tom, of course it goes off, because it has to go off, because Tom must be in pain. If Bugs were to be in pain, then it wouldn't work as well, unless, and, unless he gets his comeuppance like he does in Baby Buggy Bunny. It's really a variation on the same theme. But like the the gags here are incredible, like like oh my god. Yeah, I mean, some things I did like about that cat uh, concerto is um, first of all, I, because it's Tom and Jerry. Jerry is a bit more demented than the mouse in uh, Rhapsody Rabbit. Yeah, um, clear. That 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 came to mind is you know Tom has to hit a note and Jerry is by the piano note with scissors. Mm-hmm. So he's playing to cut off Tom's fingers to mess with them, which is like, Jesus. And just, you know, the, the personality of Jerry just by default, she's one of root for the guy. So we'll say that in regards to... Also, I really do like the ending. Just Tom getting so tired and this clothes rip apart. He just... Yeah. Passes out on the piano as Jerry just stands up and takes the credit. Yeah, Jerry wins. He doesn't even need to kill Tom. He wins. So I will say, in regards of who's the better mouse in, in each of these shorts, it's Jerry. 
because Dre yes. had more personality, but that's because of the years of shorts. But even he's a character. The mouse is just a mouse. He's a character. The mouse is just a mouse. I just said that. Um, yeah, <laughs> and um, I mean, I I don't I don't think we're doing animal range for for the character concert. concert we don't really I, need I, to. I, nah, not really. But I mean, um, but I mean, look, it's a five out of five for me if we are doing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. It's it's really good. But yeah. as to Rhapsody Rabbit, yes, I. I know that it was the Tom and Jerry short that won, but goddamn, this short is great. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. it just it just is. I love the animation on Bugs in this. The gag work is fantastic because, of course, it is. you have two of their best gag men, Brian and Ants. Of course, it's going to be great, and just uh, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun to, to listen to. This is this is one of the ones they did live. Yes. And, and when we saw it, it was just fantastic. Just see, like, like the real, like, hearing a live piano play this song to the beat with everything that goes wrong in the song was just incredibly entertaining. Yes. So, yeah, the, this short killed. Oh, my God. Outstanding, I would say. So many awesome music gags. So many impressive gags as well as funny ones. A mouse adversary thrown in. A competition plot. All of it works without being too overstuffed. It fits, flows. There's so many funny bits that are memorable, like like all throughout. Not just the shooting a guy gag, not just like there's like tons of great gags, mostly because we have two great Looney writers on it. Um, it works. It's I don't know. I, the thing is, I honestly still think that Cat Concerto is the superior cartoon, but I still think this one's amazing. Like it's it's like calling something really good, but like this one is really good, but like you know not quite as really good as the other one that's also really good. Yeah, like. It's... It's it's comparing to Marvels. So I'm giving the animal rating of five out of five. That's exactly what I'm giving five out of five. I think that if Eddie Seltzer didn't have a hard on for Foghorn Leghorn, and this wait, one would have gotten the Oscar wait, too. Wait, is that what got nominated instead? Yeah, Walkie Talkie Hawkey got nominated oh, instead of this. Mm-hmm. That blows. It really does because this would have. I think this deserves an Oscar. Because Bugs Bunny only has one Oscar, and it's for Night and Night Bugs. He should have gotten it for this one. I mean, Jesus Christ, he just won his first Emmy, like, a couple of days ago. Way to go, Eric. Yes, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Great job. Yes. Just just fantastic. Just, uh, immediately goes up. Thanks, Mel Blank. Class act. Love it. Good. So, let me just let you let you guys in on how... Some of our scheduling is gone for um, this podcast in that there are ideas that he, either Mark or I, will have that, like, we'll be like, oh, yeah, let's do that someday. And then other, like, theme weeks come along and other things going on and, like, something goes from, okay, this is going to be in the 60s. Okay, no, now it's going to be in the 80s or 90s. Oh, okay, now this isn't going to be until this far ahead. (laughs) I think the one we're doing next week has been the single most pushed like episode idea that we've ever done and once you hear what it is you'll know why you'll know why we haven't exactly been racing to cover these no not really so fun fact fun fact um so back in the early 2000s we we had leading to the content we went over it you, you can watch duck dodgers you can watch you know bugs and daffy what have you Lunatics Unleashed. You know, yeah, if you, if you hit yourself. Um, and somewhere around that time, Warner Brothers learned that the internet exists and is here to stay. Mm-hmm. So what they decided to do is, and they, they got the main talent involved, is let's make... Looney Tune cartoons for the internet age. Mm-hmm. But here's the... Th- now this is pre-YouTube. This is pre-YouTube. This is, pre-YouTube. This is Flash. Yes. What was uh, online videos before YouTube? A lot of Flash videos. A lot of Newground stuff. A lot of, like, like stuff that, like... like <laughs> stuff that has now been recreated on YouTube. But, like, it was done in Flash and it was animation in the in the sense that it, it was it moved but like 
There was something a little jerky about the visuals and the audio. So, we grew up with these yeah. <laughs> because you know, we were big Looney Tunes fans. So, and they had some ideas that little kid us were like, oh, that sounds really good. And then we watch it and go, okay, that that was entertaining. It, 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 it. Yeah. So what we're doing... We're going to look at Looney Tunes Flash cartoons. We haven't figured out which ones yet. We're going to figure out between now and when we actually put out the episode. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, ones that I know we're going to do is there's a Looney Tunes Survivor parody they did. Well, the thing is, is that that's a multi-part thing. Yeah. yeah. So either we do one of those or we can do the whole thing or thing. We'll, we'll figure it out. But like, um, we can do Toon Maroon or some part of it or we, or we can do... There are some ideas I have from it. We, we can, we'll, we'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure it out. You'll know when the comment tweet comes out. Well, exactly. We're and we it. might even do multiple of these down the line, although God knows how long that'll be fucking pushed. Um, but yeah. Also in this episode, because um, I don't, I don't know if I have as many memories. I don't know if Mark has any, as, I don't know if Mark has as many memories of this as I do, but um, these Flash ca cartoons were, done on the looneytoons.com and so we're going to talk about some of the memories we have of that if we played flash games or did any of the stuff on that yeah. at least i will yeah i i gotta be honest i'll probably talk about like flash games i played on cartoonnetwork.com or something <laughs> yeah but looneytoons.com actually had some fun ones, yeah so yeah, not bad yeah. not bad all right so that's the end of this week's episode if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at MarkHalem1995. And you can follow me at TallGuySchmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We have a YouTube channel where we do some antimatic bits every, every couple of weeks. Those are fun. And... New at the beginning of 2023, we now have a Patreon if you'd like to financially support this podcast. Uh, there are tier lists. You can figure out what you want to donate. If you want to do anything, yeah, help us out if you can. Yeah, like for example, you could listen to episodes one day early. So you can listen to us on Sunday instead of Mondays. Yeah. All right. So until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And hopefully we'll see you not too far away for the next one of these inevitable musical cartoon episodes because we love doing them and we hope you love this one too so until then bugs bunny killed a man good night